Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Father. As you come to your word, the ministry of your word. We lift our minds, our hearts, everything to your word. We confess your word is life. Your word is spirit. Your word is light. Your word is health and healing. Liberty and deliverance. Your word is everything, Lord. So speak to us and help us to receive it as life. Because your word says the word of God has power to work in those who believe. So speak, Father, and help us. Give us the grace to believe all that is true according to your word. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So, past a couple of nights, uh, we've been looking at the word, why we exalt the word and how we allow the word to work in us in different ways. We're not reading it like a novel. We're not reading it like a book. We are studying to do an exam. We are looking at it in different ways. How it is milk to a young believer, to me, to an older believer. How when we are trained by it, we know how to discern between what is righteous and what is evil. We looked at it as seed. We looked at it as light, as water, as hammer, as fire. You know, so many ways in which the word of God works so that we know it's the word that is working us. Not a hammer that fell on our toe, but the word of God that is dealing with us. And can be tougher than a hammer. But if you look at it, the entire purpose of the word of God in the new covenant, once you have come to the Lord, is to prepare us for another place. Just prepare us. And the life we live here is a practice of that life. It's not a practice of this life. It's like we all lived God says, now I am preparing you for another life. And the entire process, so the entire preaching of Jesus Christ is connected with the kingdom of God and the teaching, the apostle, everything, the kingdom life. It's a life of victory over sin, over the flesh, over the world, of powers of darkness. And you'll also see that we are more worried about the calamities and like pestilences, wars, earthquakes, Today there was a 6.4 earthquake at Nevada. Uh, I mean, just happened. So details, I don't think it's big. But what I'm saying, it happens all the time. And we are more worried about those things. And you don't realize the kingdom of God only looks at that as science and it's not even very much concerned about those things. It will give you appropriate instructions how to deal with those things. But the big focus is not on that. The focus is on how the life of Christ overcomes you see, when Jesus walked on earth and they rejected his word, completely rejected his word and rejected his person and crucified him. Before that, he wept over Jerusalem. He knew what was coming. Less than 40 years, so 40 years later, 70 AD, Titus would later become emperor of the Roman Empire, marches in with his legions. The siege was set over Jerusalem three days before Passover began. So what happened is because of the time that was chosen by Titus and allowed by God, 
there were a lot of people who were caught in Jerusalem, who died, who were not residents of Jerusalem. These were Jews who had come from all around the world for the feast. The Josephus says around 1.1 million people were killed in the war, in the famine. Four months, four weeks and three days or seven days was the entire siege. And by the time it was over, hundreds and thousands were dead. And there is historical or what records that the only people who escaped were the set of believers who were forewarned by God to get out before this happened. Okay, The church that was there managed, the believers managed to escape. So please remember when all these things happen, I mean God should have said, oh my God, this is my city, my people. <laughs> he allowed history to take its own course. But the guy who did it, Titus, was temporarily for two years. He died of fever at the age of 41. He didn't escape God's judgment either. <laughs> okay, what was written to what happened to Babylon and the Chaldeans and all whom God used to discipline his people, he disciplined them also. So we look at all these pictures and we see like you know, everything is about the kingdom of God. And the whole thing is that the kingdom of God, like we've been hearing it over and over, but it has to be heard over and over. The kingdom of God is a realm. There is a king. And unlike any other uh, any other kingdom or nation, the king, his person, entirely permeates the kingdom of God. You cannot separate the king from the kingdom. It's impossible. In such a way, uh, Sammy, please increase the volume. Such a way, not only is what you call the king and the kingdom, it's his mind, his life, his attitudes, you take his entire life, it fills the kingdom. It fills the kingdom. And that is salvation, that his life his thoughts fill us. And that's what Philippians we saw 2.5 says, have this mind of Christ Jesus. And then what is written over there, immediately we think it is talking about the thoughts of Jesus Christ. But it's not actually talking about the thoughts, it's talking about his attitude, his spirit, his nature. And we have seen that when Jesus says, unless pick up your cross daily and follow me. That if any man finds his life, he will lose it. Any man loses his life for my sake, will find it. And unless you are willing to forsake everything for my sake, you cannot be my disciple. So, And we also saw that mankind is almost willing to or under stress will, will, will give up almost everything except our ideas. That's what we are. Our self is ultimately got to do with it. And that's the most difficult to give up. And actually salvation begins with start giving up one by one. Our First, our idea about salvation itself we have to give up. Otherwise we cannot be saved. You know? That's the most difficult part. And for a lot of people, it's, it's the most difficult part to, to give up. Is that you mean to say this is the only way you can get saved and Jesus says the only way, no other. You mean this is the only name, only name, no other name under the heavens. 
very very small gate and people get stuck in that gate because their souls are overweight <laughs> not the not their bodies bodies it's irrelevant you're overweight obese you can get through if your soul is humble no, you will humble before that and they get stuck at that gate no and you have to accept what jesus says what the word of god says the spirit says about salvation and that's what repentance means and it begins repentance means forsaking all your ideas about how to enter heaven post death or in this life itself if you want a entry there you have to get get rid of repent change your mind and believe also in what god is saying so this is a constant thing and you also have to realize you have to repent and replace a lot of people repent and continue thinking that okay i accepted an idea along with many ideas it doesn't work the kingdom of god's nature it is it will not coexist peacefully with other ideas <laughs> humanism and feminism can walk together communism and socialism can walk together hinduism and buddhism can walk together if you see a jew shia and sunni will walk together if see a jew only they'll walk together but but now my shias also go to mecca to the sunni it's a held by the sunnis but they go there but when it comes to the kingdom of god it will not coexist with any other ideas it'll stand alone and our whole issues tomorrow or in the continuous days i'll teach you or rather i'll try to teach god teaches me what is the work of the antichrist and how successful he is within the church like i said the antichrist doesn't work in the world the world is already in his hands so he is not worried about the world how he works within the church how he works and he's very successful absolutely successful in the church very very successful in the church because what confuses not confuses me causes me concern is these words of jesus christ when he says very few will find it why did he say very why does he say why doesn't he say very few will be given it doesn't say that he said you have to find it many have to seek it seek your kingdom so seeking is not you will not get it unless you are seeking it and you will not get it unless you seek it with all your heart all your mind with all your strength. i mean you have to give it everything like he said if it is not you're not worthy of the kingdom if you don't think the kingdom is worthy of that kind of a search like the other way we did our research you know if you did not if you do not think it's worthy of that kind of attention that kind of a search then do you think you're worthy of the kingdom that's the whole thing and that's why all the illustrations illustrations in the bible and we looked at the illustration about the pearl everything so this repentance is a constant feature you repent you replace you repent and replace and it also has to change in your attitudes your attitude also has to change you just cannot um replace an idea with the kingdom of god and have the old stinking attitude that god does not allow attitude also has to agree with the with the it's like children no you know children when you wake them up they will be so grumpy but they have obeyed wake up it's time for school 
They have replaced their idea about sleeping till 10 o'clock with the father's idea of waking up. But you look at their face, they haven't replaced it with the attitude of the father who wants to send you to school. So only the idea was replaced, not the not the attitude. And God, no, God says, no, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. If we can change your thought life, we can change your attitude too. The Holy Spirit changes it all. So we have to test everything. You and I here, including what you hear tonight, everything, in the light of what God's word and God's spirit says. Okay? So there are two covenants primarily in the Bible, different covenants God made with the individuals, but primarily the whole Bible divided into two covenants, the old and the new covenant. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 18. Not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. So, every covenant, old and new covenant, it was only dedicated, ratified with blood. Now, let us see the process in which Exodus 24, 7 and 8, how the old covenant came into being. There's a clear process in which it happens. Moses takes the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. So they're all listening, the covenant, the laws. And they all said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. They heard, they committed themselves to obey the law. Then he took the blood and sprinkled it upon the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. They had to hear, they had to commit themselves to obedience, and then only the work, blood was Sprinkle, then they entered into that covenant. It's a commitment. Okay. If you come to Hebrews chapter 7, 18 and 19, you will see, scripture says, for on one hand there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. So there was an old covenant where they committed and God sprinkled, but scripture says it had, it was weak and it was unprofitable. Why? It could never make anybody perfect. Nobody could make anybody perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. What is that? It's a new covenant. You have to get it. What is the better hope in the new covenant? It is made possible for one who entered into the new covenant to be made perfect. Understand, that's the difference. Okay? New covenant offers a better hope. In the new covenant too, the pattern is the same. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. The pattern is the same. We are the elect. Who are is the elect? Which God knows. According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit. For what? Obedience. And the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the order. We commit ourselves to obedience and the blood keeps on working. We keep on obeying and the blood keeps on working. There is a repentance, there is a replacement and there is the blood and this is the constant. It's outwardly, if you look at it, both the covenants operate the same way. There's a commitment to obedience. The gospel. So the question is, can you have a faith that does not have obedience? It's false. Because the blood does not work. 
So a lot of people say they are saved and they say they're going to heaven. But if you look into their lives, it's none of our business to judge lives, but I'm telling. But the word itself judges you. Their lives have got nothing to do with what the word demands of you. And yet they think they are going to heaven. And why do you think they go to heaven? Because they said the blood will save us. But they said the blood does not work that way. Even with Israel, they had to first commit themselves to obedience and then the blood was sprinkled. Every time I commit myself to obedience, I repent and I believe the blood works. I repent, I believe the blood works. That is how sanctification. Sanctification is the work of the spirit. For what? For obedience and the sprinkling of the blood. Okay, This is how the devil fools people. In the old covenant, they committed to obey the law. In the new covenant, we commit ourselves to a life. That's the difference. It is not to the law. It's an entire difference. Otherwise, new covenant also people read it and live it like the old covenant and wonder why it does not work. It don't work. In Matthew 26, verse 20, uh, 26 to 28, Jesus is instituting the covenant. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So he changes the whole format. If you look in the old covenant, when the covenant was being ratified and every time during the day of atonement, nobody drank that blood. On the other hand, they were want never to drink blood. Nobody ate that uh, meat of that bull. It was used as a burnt offering. Nobody ate that. They didn't drink the blood or eat the flesh. But here it is completely different. He says, look at this. These are the emblems of my body and my blood. Eat it and drink it. So, in physical terms, how is life represented? Flesh and blood will not end, inherit the Kingdom of God. So what inherits the kingdom of God? The flesh and blood of Jesus Christ inherits the kingdom of God because that's the only flesh that overcame. That is one flesh that walked on earth and overcame. It overcame completely. He says, you know what? My life has to become your life. So in the new covenant, we are committing ourselves not to an obedience of rules and regulations. It's completely different. We are committing ourselves completely to a life. His life. Everything his life. That is what Jesus means, unless you forsake everything. Lose your life for my life. Let me tell you straight away, he's telling even his closest disciple, you can't be my, you may be following me. That doesn't make you my disciple. You may be asking me all the questions. That still does not make you my disciple. You may be outwardly your disciples. You will become my disciples when you have forsaken your life and it has been replaced with my life. Because even when they were walking, they all had all kinds of dreams about this life. Sitting on the right and left in the kingdom and all that. He says, forget all that. We are not even discussing that. That's not even for discussion. That's all the old life. You have to forsake your life and receive my life. And it's a daily basis. And as you grow, it is like like you come with to God, empty yourself, and he keeps on filling. Empty, fill, 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 fill. Ultimately, as you go, by the time you end, there should be nothing of you left. should be his life and his life alone. And God says, you reach the pinnacle of righteousness. 
And every day our battle is giving up our life. Because our life is our ideas, our desires, our thoughts, and our will, everything. And God puts it across simply in terms of a family. He puts across life, and that's why he uses the family as a symbol. Let's take, let's take about a believer. Let's simply take in the terms of it has to be a believer. Or let's say as a believer, or a man gets married and his girl. You know, the one who has rest is actually the girl. If only she decides, I will not have a life apart from him. Whatever he wants is what I do. You know, she's completely at rest. All she has to ask is, honey, what do you need? What do you want me to do? She's not living her life. She's at rest. Because the only one she's accountable to is to him and to nobody else. Her life is very simple. He, on the other hand, has to hear from God and everybody else. Imagine she's a simple housewife. She doesn't have to worry about anything except pleasing one person. One person. She's at rest. Imagine they have a child. All the child has to learn is to please the father and the mother. You are at rest. Okay, at rest. And when God says, I put all these symbols over there. When does the trouble begins in the marriage? It begins with the marriage. First a man who doesn't want to know the life of God. And then he marries a girl who doesn't want to know the life of the man. Conflict has already begun. You are trying to live in under one roof, living two lives. Conflict, it's not possible. It's not possible. So the first symbol God said, put it over there is, you shall leave, cleave, and they were one. Okay, one. What was that? They were one flesh. They were one flesh. That was before the fall. You know, the victorious church is one flesh with Christ Jesus. His flesh becomes our flesh. It's one flesh. They are one. I'm no longer living my life in this body. I'm living in this body, his life which he lived on earth. That's the only life acceptable. And that is a victorious life. It's a victorious life. That was said before the fall. And he lived that life on earth and showed, as long as you're in body, I will tell you how to win. In this flesh, I will tell you how to win. This is how you live. We are not talking about a victorious life there. That is a different body altogether. No temptation, no sin, no Satan, no devil, no demon, nothing. No presence of sin at all. He's talking about living a life here. That's what we are getting. We struggle. We struggle. And it's only possible when we give up. Okay? And he will show us. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. Though he was a son, what did he learn? He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected. What was he perfected? In the flesh. He was perfected in his obedience. Obedience to what? Obedience to his father. That is when he became the author of salvation for all who? Again now, obey him. He obeyed the father. We are called to obey him. So he obeyed. What does it mean? He gave up his life. And lived the life of his father. And we saw in Hebrews 1.9, how did he obey? With joy. He was not an unhappy man. Right? You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. That is the love of the father. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. What does it mean? He not only, his actions, his life agreed with God. His attitude also agreed with God. He did it joyfully. 
In the old covenant, if they obey, obeyed, there were promises and blessings. If they disobeyed, there were lords and lords of curses. All was physical and earthly. All the blessings were physical and earthly. New covenant, it has all changed. In the new covenant, if you look at Colossians chapter 2, 11 and 12, because now the kingdom of God has come and it has come inside. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hand. You look, in him we were circumcised. Circumcision not by hands, but by the Holy Spirit. Putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What are we going through? We are going through the circumcision of Christ. Not the circumcision of man. Where that body of flesh itself is cut off. Buried with him in baptism. When we got baptized, we were buried in him. In which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. He says, you know what? The new covenant, your life is completely gone. And you are raised up with him, in him. That's the only life acceptable. The other life is easier, the law, because it's all outward. This is totally inward and outward it takes over. <coughs> so Colossians 3, 1 to 3 will tell us the reality or the reality check. If then you were raised with Christ, how do I know I am raised with Christ? Spiritual reality. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. So the question is, what are you seeking? Like I said, where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart is. And how do you know your heart? Your thought life. What are you seeking? What are you looking forward to? What concerns you? If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Two, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died. You died. What does it mean? You forsook your life. And now your life is hidden with Christ in God. Meaning only Christ's life is visible. Your life is hidden. You died. And we saw that in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 too. Over and over the kingdom reality is being talked about. Therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing. It is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The thing is that outward man is also perishing and inward man is also perishing is a dangerous thing. Outward man is perishing, everybody knows. Everybody knows. But the question is, what about the inward man? The question is, how do I really know my inward man is being renewed? Am I exchanging my life for his life? My thoughts for his thoughts. My attitude for his attitude. That's the question. That's how I know it's being renewed. And then, outwardly, we look at all the things that we go through, even 56 years of lockdown. It's a very light affliction, which is but for a moment. It's it's, irrelevant. Can any government lock your soul down? No. You cannot lock your soul down. Only you can put your soul into bondage. No government can lock your soul. The soul is free. soul is free. Our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way. Where do you feel that? Feel it only in your soul. You know the soul is changing. The soul is agreeing with the spirit and is being changed. The mind is being renewed. The soul, where its thoughts, its desires and the will is now slowly and slowly and more and more completely bent towards God. And then verse 18 says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, we are not worried about the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are... Meaning your sight also changes. You start actually looking at 
eternal things. And you see that very, very clearly, that eternal things, eternal things. And Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, when this is a eter- reality, then Ephesians 1, 3 also becomes a reality. Blessed be the God and Father of our God, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual realm in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if eternity is your reality, and you know in your mind you are seated with Christ Jesus, then you are partaking also of those blessings which are available only there. There are certain things which is available only in the third realm, God's realm. What is that? Peace that passes understanding, a righteousness which is continuously growing, a joy that cannot be touched by anything that is on realm one. And that's where he has blessed it all. And it's a reality, you're not shaken. And that reality will be always tested so that you will know and I will know. So COVID-56 is a test. Prison is a test. Trial is a test. Tribulation. All these things are allowed into the life of believers because it is a test. Are you shaken or not shaken? Because everything that will be shaken will be shaken because you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be. So he says, is your peace shaken? Then it is of this world. Is your joy shaken? Then it is of this world. It was happiness. You mistook it for joy. You did not allow my word to divide it between the soul and the spirit. I would have told you. It was so close to the spirit, yet not at the spirit. You mistook it because it was so close. But it was not there. So when it was shaken, it was gone. It is Job. Right? Oh my God. Anybody can be happy and at peace and prayerful like him. Touch him. Go ahead, touch him. Everything was touched. And he worshipped. Because unless these things happen, we will not know how real. Because when everything is going good for you, you will confuse something that is in your soul as being a spiritual reality when it is not. And that is the danger you can get into that only when that day comes, boom, you realize, oh my God, rapture has taken place. The Lord has come and where am I? I mistook one for the other. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly realms. And that's the reality. So God will always keep telling us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things which your body needs for now, temporary things will be added, don't worry. But the question is, are we seeking? Are we putting it all, our everything? And we know what it is seek first. We all know what it is to seek first. And God says, if you don't seek that way, you will not find it. That's why he says, very few will find it. He didn't say, very few will get it. If very few will get it, then he is withholding it. If very few will find it, then I am not searching enough. My heart is not in it. My heart is not in it. God says, promise you, if you seek with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, you will find it. The kind of devotion you would give it to something that was earthly. Which was of great value to. So that's why he put all these parables. The parable of that pearl of exceedingly great price where he sold everything to possess it. No? All this stuff. So we should judge everything in the light of the word. First thing, before you receive any thought, because everything begins with the thought life. You should ask this question. How does it extend the kingdom of God, the cause of the kingdom? How does it exalt his righteousness? And third, can I receive it with joy? 
Please remember, in the Old Testament, like I said, they did not have the body of Christ. They only had the shadow. In Colossians 2, 16 and 17, is talking about. They only had the shadow. They did not have the, they did not have the bad body. Let no one judge you in food or in ring regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, all these things, which are just a shadow of things to come. But the substance is, the body is, the reality is Christ Jesus. And when Jesus came, you need to realize he put away the shadow. We have experienced the reality. In Hebrews 10, 5 to 9. Therefore, when he came in the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Everything that is written over there, burnt offerings, these are the works of the law. All the works of the law. God said, I have no pleasure at all. Previously saying sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which were offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. The first is taken away. He taken away the first that he may establish the second. Meaning the entire law and the works of the law are taken away. And he's establishing something new. And what is the new that is extending? In the volume of the book it is written about me. What is it? To do your will, I have come, Lord. In the volume of the book, something is revealed. It is a life. The life of God. If God were to come in the flesh, how would he look? The old is gone. The new has come in. <coughs> he put aside the first. You have given me a body. For what? To do the will of God. And this was the issue the Pharisees had with him. You know why, like I said in the Nepalese service, it was not the Romans. The Romans crucified him because they only had the power to do it. But it was the Romans who crucified him. It was uh, Jews who crucified him. The Pharisees, the religious class who instigated the people also, they cruci- why did they crucify him? For one reason. Because he says all the works of your law is worth nothing. That's the reason they crucified him. You can do it till the day I come back a second time. It's not going to get anybody in. They hated him for that. They hated him for one thing when he said, all your offerings, all your sacrifices, all your good works is not getting anyone inside. You want to get inside? You need to believe in the work which I do. You have to give up your life for my life. And they hated him for that. And they crucified him for that. And we still face the same problem. Every religious person of every religion struggles when they hear it. You need to give up all that and accept only the work of Jesus Christ. And every day we struggle. You need to give up this opinion, this idea and receive that. That is his life. This is your life. Give it up and receive it and we fight. He says, until that hasn't happened, you will not keep change. That is the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And the sprinkling of blood takes place because when you are rejecting an idea, you are also declaring, though you nursed that idea and lived by that idea, exalted the idea, when you reject it, you are saying it's rubbish. That's why Paul says, I consider it all rubbish. In the light of God's word, that idea, that opinion means nothing. 
It's just an opinion. It's rubbish. Truth has come. It's worth nothing. And they hated it for that. And we also fight with these things every day because the kingdom of God will grow and grow and grow and grow if you allow it and take over the entire universe one day, the entire world. Okay. In the old covenant, if you go to Exodus 20, 9 to 10. That is the most beautiful part if we to understand this. If you want to understand what the new covenant and the old covenant. Exodus 20, 7, uh, 9 and 10. Sorry, 9 and 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. He said, I give you six days. For what? To do your work. And I give you the seventh day. What will you do? You will not do your work. Whatever I tell you to do that day is my work. And certain other days in the year will also be designated as Sabbaths. And you will do my work. So the life was divided into two parts. Six days for do your work. And one day to do my work. Okay. You getting it? Your work. And on the seventh day, don't you dare do your work. It's my rest. And the priests were busy on the day of Sabbath, but they were doing his work. Okay. They were all, are you getting it? Now you come to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 11. In the new covenant, everything changes. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now what is happening? In the old covenant, in the letter of the law, you entered that day only once a week. In the new covenant, you enter that all your life. Are you getting the picture? On the seventh day, they rested from their works and entered into his rest, meaning whatever they did was his work. But he says, new covenant is different. You only have my work and no work of yours, meaning you will lose your life, then you will gain mine. There is nothing else in the new covenant. Anyone who finds his life has lost it. Anyone who has found his career here has lost his career there. Anyone who thinks he's found something here will lose it there. Here, there is only something that is allowed. It is only the work of God. Nothing else. We are not talking about ministry. (laughs) We are talking about a life that belongs to God. Everything changed in the new covenant. And people are not still understanding it and they're getting entrapped into the lies that had been sold into the life, into the church from the pulpits to pursue your own dreams and appropriate God's power for that. And they have no clue. The devil will catch you by the neck when the Antichrist comes because you will have no clue that he's here. The only ones who will have discernment is the discernment with the life of Christ in you gives you. Other lives will not have any discernment because the other lives have already compromised and gone. You have already divided your life in the new covenant as my life and his life. God says there is nothing like that. That was in the old covenant. The new covenant there is only 
my life, no other life. That is how he begins the new covenant by saying, this is the new covenant. Here, eat my body. Here, drink my blood. What is that? This is my life. Old covenant, they didn't do that. He says, partake of it. The mere use of the blood of the ox and uh, they lived their own life. Here he says, that doesn't happen. You partake of my life. Everything has changed. Now what happened? Every day is Sabbath. Every day is Sabbath. Your whole life is a life of rest. Where you do only God's life. Live his life. Not even God's works. It's God's life. Isaiah 58, 13 is the one that describes best. Best in it. And I would encourage you all to go, do get into Bible Gateway, divide it into three, four platforms and read it in different translations, including the Jewish Bible. It's beautiful. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, not speaking your own words. Your pleasure, your way, your words. Did you get it? He says, if you turn your foot from the Sabbath, meaning, he says, when the real Sabbath comes, you stop your works, your words, your ways, your pleasure. No. It will be my words, my ways, my work, my pleasure. So my life is gone. My life is gone. It's not my life. It's his life. Mark, Isaiah 6, 58, 13. This is what Sabbath is. He said, this is how you observe your Sabbath. On Sabbath, turn your foot from the Sabbath. Don't go your way. Don't do your pleasure on my day. You do my pleasure. You are at my beck and pleasure on my day. It's my day. It's not your day. You do my pleasure. You shall call the Sabbath a delight. You should be delighted to do that. Not with an as-thinking attitude. You delight to do that. It's an honorable day for you. You shall honor him. Don't do your ways. Don't find your own pleasure. Don't speak your own words. So, what is left in a man's life? What is a man's life? <laughs> yeah, you look, seven things are there. Yeah, seven things are there. What is left? What is left? God says, that's a new covenant life. You grow into it. Don't appropriate in one day, but you grow, 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 grow. Into. Everything has changed. Suddenly you realize our home life, our world life, our church life, everything becomes the same. There's no difference. Slowly God is building you into one life. One life. You know? No. One life. You are not pretending. You have only one life. Absolutely one life. And that was a life Jesus, like I was telling the church, Nepali church, you know, first question Jesus asks when the disciples start following him, John says, what do you seek? Where do you stay? He said, come and see. <laughs> he has nothing to hide. He said, come and see. If I were to go to Sami, he says, Sami, I'm coming to your room. Sami would rush and hide everything and clean everything. No? <laughs> 
oh how you would how you would polish everything right in the home every one of them i have seen our boys when they were living upstairs and all oh my gosh eric and all every, and i know because i have been with young kids in the hostel and all no as a tutor and all the first thing you don't even look at their room you first go and lift the sheet and look at it. everything is there under it that is instant cleaning oh, no and uh, the boys when they used to live upstairs eric used to have a garden in his plates <laughs> now now appu has made a different garden altogether but eric also had a garden it is different because his plates used to be sitting there from the previous week and the week before i hope joanna you are listening and you had a green garden growing over it you know what <laughs> god says only one life only one life you know you only have one and to that one life is bringing it okay that's what jesus is saying in the volume of the book it is written about me behold the lord have come to do your will and uh, hebrews 40 verse 6 and 8 from where he is repeating he doesn't that's why you have to see the difference 46 to 8 you have to see the sorry psalm 40 verse 6 to 8 the difference the little differences will there which gives more depth to both sides okay sacrifice and offering you did not desire okay the question is if you did, if you do not desire sacrifice and offering then what should i do my ears you have opened unless i hear i will not do what to next because something has to be done i cannot be still because faith comes from hearing sacrifice and offering is under the law you don't have to hear it is already written what you need to do each day seventh day is your sixth days go work only don't do these things while you are working but go do whatever work you want it's up to you your life you want to be a farmer be a farmer you want to be a shepherd you want to be a shepherd you want to be a butcher you are a butcher that's up to you i have no say only i will tell you what are common things about how you should do your work but the seventh day everybody get in that's my day okay but in the new covenant it is not like that it's not your life i choose for you what you will do okay so if you don't want even my religious activities you don't want sacrifice and offerings and all lord what what do i do how do i live scripture says you open my ears my ears you have opened and what did you do? that's why it is rep- repeated twice in the middle meaning i understand you did not desire and you do not require it's entirely against the law a man in the old covenant which is prophetic talking about jesus christ hears and this is not david because he offered lots and lots of sacrifices So it's not talking about David prophetically the spirit of Christ in him is moving and talking about Jesus Christ that you were not looking for sacrifice you don't desire you don't require what do you require my ears have opened to what verse 7 then i said behold i have come in the scroll of the book it is written about me in this it is written about me all i have to do is find out from you what do you want me to do is written about me what do you want me to do and it is what is added there now i delight to do your will oh my god and not only that suddenly the new covenant comes in there your law is written within my heart all covenant law is not written in anybody's heart it was a book given thou shall thou shall not that's all now it is written in my heart written in my heart. so everything changes everything i delight to do your will the law is in my heart not outside because the letter of the law 
kills. Second Corinthians 3.6, the letter of the law kills. What are we? We are ministers. Everybody is a priest. In the new covenant, everybody is a priest. Who is a priest? A priest is somebody who serves God. That is what it means, priest. Not the one who does sacrifices and offerings and all. No. A priest is somebody who serves God. That's why in the new covenant, everybody is called a priest. Old covenant also, that was God's agenda in the beginning. They messed it up. So only the Levites became priests. So in the new covenant. So if you are a new covenant priest or minister, another word, minister. How do you minister? You ministers of the new covenant, not of the... Because the letter... Kills you where? How does a whole covenant letter kill you? It kills you inside. It doesn't kill you outside. It kills animals outside. It doesn't kill you outside. How does it kill you? Because if you appropriate the pattern of the old covenant in your new covenant life, you won't realize when judgment comes, you will be declared unsaved. It kills you inside. Because you are putting your trust in your works and not in your life. Where does my hope come from? Where may my confidence come from? Where does my boldness come from? My boldness come from should come only from one thing. When I look inside, my life is gone. His life is there. That is my only confidence. The hope of glory. Who is that? Christ in me. This is the new covenant. But what has happened into the church? Everybody is living their life. And appropriating God's power. Who are people in the church? They are thieves. They have stolen the resources of God to lead their own lives. That's a thief. That's a thief. That's a thief. We are not asked to take God's power and lead our lives. We are asked to take God's power and live His life. Because we have to labor to enter into His life. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. And the new covenant is proclaimed in Hebrews chapter 8, 8 to 13. 8 to 13, the whole thing is there. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. See, house of Israel, house of Judah in the new covenant is the church. Not that the replacement theory, we are not talking about that. For a season, God has hardened their hearts. This is the time of the Gentiles to come in. And when the time of the Gentiles is over, he will have a short period with Israel and a remnant among them will be saved. But as of now, he shut. So our fascination with Israel should stop. We pray for Israel. We love Israel because there is the patriarchs, there is the law and Jesus came through Israel. He was birthed through Israel, all that. But I have major issues with people talk about Jesus' Jewish identity also. That I was asking the sister. Because I know her background. That's the question I asked the sister. I asked this question. Yes, he's the Lion of Judah. That is for us to understand, human beings to understand. Ask the sister. Your, your, let us say in your community, your father is a Brahmin and your uh, mother is a Vaishya. Let us say by Indian terms. What is your identity? You're a Brahmin, right? So is Jesus, who is Jesus' father? So where does his identity come from? Is he a Jew? His Jewish identity is because of his adopted father and his mother. His adopted father Joseph, he is from the line of David and his adopted mother is his mother also is from the line of David. His identity comes from his adopted father. But his real father is not a Jew. 
Real father is not a Jew. The Spirit of God is not a Jew. So, we have to be very, very careful about these things and we go gung-ho about these things. That is why. And the real Jerusalem we are talking about is not the Jerusalem from down, it's the Jerusalem from above. And Galatians talks about the Jerusalem from, it is in bondage with her children. It is corresponds to Hagar and Ishmael. Spiritually. Physically, Ishmaelites. Spiritually, Israelites. And spiritually, what is the church? It looks to the Jerusalem from above. So if we don't get this, all this thing, we'll go because we have to look at this subtly because what? that is when our feelings and emotions get involved. Like I said, no. Like I said about God TV, which is broadcast from Jerusalem. The Jerusalem government has a major issue with one of their channels because it is beamed in Jewish language to the Jews. They said, we will revoke your license if you are trying to evangelize the Jews. You need to understand, they don't want to hear about Jesus. See, we love them. They don't love us. Please don't misunderstand these things. We love them. They don't love us. They don't love Jesus. They hate him. They hate him. If an Orthodox Jew becomes Christian, if they can, they will deal him the same with the Muslims who do with the Muslim who becomes a Christian. So don't get this fanciful, emotional idea and all that. It's not true. Go to the truth of the word of God and understand all these things spiritually to understand the new covenant. So we do we love them? Of course we love them. We love them because we look at their heritage and realize if they were in there, we wouldn't be there. Everything we have received, we have received through them. Through them. Abraham was the first Jew, the one who crossed the first Hebrew who crossed the river. And we are called spiritual children of Abraham, not physical children of Abraham. So in so many ways, we appreciate and love and honor Abraham than they do. They do. This is all in the physical. There's no reality in it. There's no truth in their honoring of Abraham. Because if Abraham were to step down today and tell the Jews, Hey, believe in my son, Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. They will kill him also. We don't want to hear that. Okay, you need to understand. So we get, so we have to be very, very careful about what sets us free because the same thing can get into our hearts. We can have, believe in something which is not true at all according to the word of God and think we are on the way because we are tick tock, tick tock, ticking away. So our thoughts, our minds, let us go further. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind, write them on their hearts, I'll be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brothers say, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of This is a new covenant. Why? Because it is now written inside. Everybody knows. Knows differently. Some may know more, some may know less. But everybody knows because a real transition has taken place from your life to his life. So everybody has his life inside. Everybody knows. Nobody will have to tell, oh, do you know the Lord? Yeah, I know the Lord. 
But today you need to realize a lot of people don't know the Lord. They claim to know the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. They know about God. They don't know God. They don't know God. Because they are not seeking the kingdom of God that way. Because if you know God, you will seek that. Because everything is knowing God is got to do with a relationship. Relationship. And you will need to realize that everything is connected with relationships. Relationships. And if you really know him inside, then you will seek to know him more and more and more. None of them shall teach. And let's go to verse 12 and 13. For I will be merciful to the unrighteous. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's what God says. But that's not true under the law. Under the law, the blood only covered. It didn't remove. It didn't remove anything. That's why I was telling them, look at the Old Testament. When the New Testament begins, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 6. How the new covenant begins. The old covenant, still the old covenant, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And Jesse begot David the king. David king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Is it forgotten? No, it's not forgotten. It's not forgotten. Nothing forgotten. In the new covenant, do you think it will be remembered? No. He has repented, asked for forgiveness, the blood of Jesus. God said, remember it no more. Why? That's the nature of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood. The difference between the old and the new covenant. The old covenant. If the old covenant could work like the new covenant Jesus did not have, then the blood of the bull had the same power as the blood of Christ. It didn't have. It only covered. It was only temporary. It was only a picture. It was only a shadow. The devil will either take you that side and tell you, go under the law and you are cursed, or he take you into the world and says, you are saved. And God says, either way you are, you are doomed. There's only one narrow way. Narrow way. Straight is the gate, narrow is the path. Very few will find it. Why? Everybody is trying to find his own life under the law. Everybody is trying to find his own life in the world. There are only very few who understand the truth and will be delighted to lose their life to take his life. That's the life of Rebecca. Will you go? Go. When she's going, what is she going to do? She's going to lose her entire life. She lived like a queen in Haran. Only daughter. Lived everything. But now she's gone a life and she knows once she goes, her life is gone. Now she goes over there, she will have to change her entire life to tune with Isaac. Her life is gone. Now her life will be identified with Isaac's life. She will have to know what he is, what he likes, what are his interests. Everything will change. So Rebecca will have to give up her life to take up Isaac's life. And the brothers put in the family puts in the hey come on, let's eat and drink for ten life, ten more days. What is that? Let us celebrate your life for ten days. And let we'll go. She says, No, I'll go tomorrow. No more ten days celebration of my life. I will take this terrible long journey and will go and celebrate his life. I'm willing to go, happily going. And if that hasn't happened, then we have sold something which is not the gospel. We haven't exchanged our life. In First Peter chapter 2, 21 to 23, there is a life, a proof of a life. To this you are called. To this you are called. Because Christ also suffered for us, living as an example that you should follow his steps. Okay? He's left. This is his life, not our life. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? So God says, let me ask you this question. He says, if you are reviled, do you revile in return? Then that's your life. Because they touched your life. Why do I let people uh, gossip about you? Why do I let people slander about you? To see if it's your life or my life. 
With your life, you're upset. I left, I lost my name. But I thought you didn't have a name. <laughs> They're touching my honor. I thought it was my honor and not your honor. They're questioning my ways. I thought it was my ways and not your ways. Didn't you enter into my rest? Didn't you read Isaiah 50 or 13, the seven things you replaced? He said, he had no issues. They questioned his paternity. He had no issues. They called him son of Belial. No issues. They called him a wine bibber. No issues. They called him friend of prostitutes. No issues. He wasn't bothered because he knew whose life he was living inside. My father's life cannot be touched. You can say whatever you want to about me. I know my reality. This is whose life I am living. I am dead. Dead dogs don't bark. So God says, did you see that? He did not revile. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Do you know whose son I am? That's what every time, you know, some big politician or DPSPs and all son is stuff. Do you know who I am? Here is the son of God. Do you know who I am? From the day he stepped into public ministry, from the devil to the last day on the cross, everybody is saying, if you are, this is what you should do. He said, no. Right? The devil said, if you are the son of God. His brother said, if you want to have a real ministry, this is what you should do. And on the cross, everybody said, you said, if you are the son of God. He said, I know who I am. He did not threaten. He did not threaten. He committed himself to him who judges. Right? He said, Dara, I will not take life on my own. On my hand. I will leave it to you. I have come here to obey your will. The volume of the book, it is written about me. What I should do. So I look into the word and the scripture says, this is I how I need to die. That's your will for me. That is fine. That's fine for me. I'm okay. So you know his life was being tested. Whose life are you living? Are you living my will? Or your will? My life? Or your life? In the same way, everybody's life will have a common pattern to the general this thing of Jesus Christ. But you need to be very, very careful that you hear from God through the word what God wants you to do in different situations. Be very, very careful. You have to hear very carefully what God wants you to do. Because again, you are not Living your life. You're living like uh, David had to hear each time how to fight. Oh, I heard. God said, okay, this time. Next time, no. no. Next time, no. Each time it's a different battle. Why? He's hearing from God. Because the battle, if the battle belongs to the Lord, then the plans also belong to me. You can't say I will fight my your battle in your strength my way. God says, then it's your battle, not my battle. So there is a general principle about how we live our life, but that does not mean Christ Jesus lives the same life through everybody. No. He lives differently through. General principle is there. Holiness, righteousness, all that is general. But he'll, otherwise we'll all be clones. There are no clones in heaven. There are no clones in heaven. There are no clones in heaven. So we have to hear. That is why we have to be very, very careful. He did not threaten, committed himself to him who judges him. Is that my life? Is that my attitude? Then my peace is real. My peace is real. Otherwise my peace is not real. So one of the most important things, these pandemics and pestilences and the famine that will follow is will test our anxiety levels. The opposite of anxiety is peace. 
the opposite of worry is joy. At rest. No sorrow, no grief over all this loss of jobs, salaries, hikes. Okay, well, everything is different. It has to be tested. Because First Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 to 3. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Meaning, it will come upon you unawares. And when will they come? When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Who is this they? This they are also being in the church. The preachers who say this are not in the world. They are also in the, if they are in the world, those in the church received their message and ignored God's message. Whether they were outside or inside, the ones who receive it are in the church. Because these letters are written to only the church. What did they say? Peace and safety. God says, are you sure about your peace? Are you very sure about your safety? There is a life where there is absolute peace. That's the life of Christ. Absolutely. Singing and going to his death. On the cross, ministering left and right. Fulfilling all his duties on the cross. As savior, as son. Peace. Rest. Because there can be in the false life. Remember, there is a false safety. And a false peace which almost looks real. And yet is not real. John 1.17 Let me tell you. We know it very well. Love was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, Truth alone did not come. Grace and truth. Hebrews 7.11 Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? What is the implication? What is the implication? The implication is under the new order, perfection comes. Meaning God expects nothing short of perfection in this life. We are not talking about perfection in the terms of science. Perfection means completeness. You need Christ need to be completed in you. The work of Christ, the life of Christ, in each life, till the brim, it has to fill. It is. When you speak this, in the world, in the church, they will call you a heretic. You know what happened? You swallowed a lie. He swallowed another message. And that message is not the message of grace. They have preached a false grace. Hebrews 7, 18 and 19. On the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitable. The old covenant, the law was weak and unprofitable. For the law made nothing perfect. The law made nothing powerful. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. What is that new covenant? What is a better hope? The hope of being perfected. Hope of, see, this is from where our hope comes from. Our peace comes from. 
This is where our safety comes from. Colossians 1.28 What the law could never do, God says grace can, my grace can. Colossians 1.28 Him we preach warning every man teaching every man in all wisdom. Who do we preach? We preach Him. We don't preach a set of rules and regulations. We preach a life. We preach a life which is, comes through the Spirit of God. We preach every man, teaching every man all wisdom that we may present every man what? Perfect in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Hebrews 6.1 Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to Perfection. You know the trap into which the church has got? Nobody is even interested in the basic things of God and everybody thinks rapture comes, I will be just taken away in the clouds. God said, who told you? Who told you? You never were interested in my truth. You never wanted the grace of my spirit and you want to come home with me. But what will I do with you there? You will be so miserable there because nothing of what you liked on earth is there. It will be a completely different world. Nothing you sought here with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength will be found there. If you were not searching for these things here, how are you going to be happy with these things there? Matthew 5, 5.48. Let's put the preamble before we close. 5.48, if I'm right here. Yeah. Therefore, you shall be perfect. Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. James 3.2 Remember Sabbath? When you enter into the Sabbath, what happens? We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not some stumble in word, he is? He says, I expect you to grow where you don't even stumble in your words. He says, how Lord? He says, it's not your life, it's my son's life. If you allow to lose your life and allow my son to live, he says, do you think my son was imperfect? No, Lord. So why don't you ask for him to come and live through you? He's perfect. You are the one who's imperfect. I'm the one who's imperfect. Christ is perfect always. He was always perfect. Hebrews 13, 21. Make you complete in every good work to do his will. Complete. That's another word is perfect. To do you perfect in every good work. Yeah, KJV came. Make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. You are doing it, but it is His life, it is His will, and He is the one who is doing it. James 2 and verse 22. You see, His faith was working together with His works, and by works, faith was made he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He began a faith, but that's not. He said, you should never be satisfied with your faith life. He says, he can make your faith life perfect. When did Abraham's first life become perfect? When he put offered Isaac. That was his life. Merajan, old age ka bache. My child of my old age. You know? He put him on the altar. Lifted his life. God says, your faith is perfect. You have given your life over for my life. 1 John 2, 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. 
By this we know we are in him. We keep his word and his love is perfected in him. That's how we know we are in him. 1 John 4.17 That's our boldness. 4.17 Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because, look at that, because as he is, so we are. Where? In this world. As he is, we are. You know, if we are, as he is, we are not afraid of any pandemic. You see, Christ was afraid even of the cross. No. Is afraid of the Roman armies? No. The soldiers of the high priest? No. The Roman legions? No. Nothing. We don't bother about it because he knew. His life, his father's life, what is waiting on the other side. He was not worried about any of those things. As he is, we are in this world. When? Love has been perfected in us towards God. And love has been perfected among us. So this is, you look at this, the question we have to ask is, is this possible? Yes, it is possible. Otherwise, will God write this? If you say this is possible in most churches in the world, they will call you a heretic. There are a lot of churches in the world where you cannot even say hallelujah. They don't even know it's written in the Bible. If you say hallelujah, they say Pentecostal and they'll tell you to get out. So those set of people think in heaven, nobody will say hallelujah. You know how ignorant Christians are there, full in this world, in every denomination, but they don't look into the word and see what grace and truth can do. Because God says, why do I expect that? Because that's the life for which my son died. That's the price he paid, he says. And what a waste of my son's life if you don't appropriate of it. What a waste. And you will see, always see these rare stories coming in. No? Lady dies. And then the police has to break down the door and this thing, an old lady. And they find she had a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand in dollars hidden in a cupboard and she lived like a beggar. We'll see all kinds of stories and say, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with this lady? They could have lived the best life possible and they lived like a beggar and died and all that money is there and they can't even trace the heir to find who to give it to. God says, do you know the life of my son, what he died for and what he released? What is the power of his life? You wanted to live that silly, insipid life of yours. And what I was offering you in return was the life of my son. You didn't want it. No. That's why Jesus said, you die, I live. And you live, I die. You can choose. There are only two choices. Eat my body, drink my blood. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer who I live. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for See, one of the things which you have to learn as you grow in the Lord is listen to people when they ask you or tell you things. A lot of things when they ask you things, I'm talking about usual joking and all. That's okay. Jesus also had lots of humor, spent time with it. I'm not talking about that. Some of the things which they say, you will realize whether it is they or Christ who is asking. If it is they, just ignore it. Don't waste your time over answering those. We have no more time to answer flesh. You answer flesh 
unless it's a real spiritual question they are asking you will know it may be it may be coined in spiritual terms but it is flesh you know how the pharisees came and asked jesus he answered a question with a question does your master he said give me a coin who is this said, give to caesar what belongs to caesar and sometimes he said i refuse to answer you answer my question i'll answer your question Right. I know what you're asking. This is flesh answering. I don't know. I'm not here to answer flesh. I'm not here to feed flesh. But whenever his disciples came and asked him, he always explained it to them. Because he knew this was flesh with keen interest seeking the things of the kingdom. You know? Because when you go on missions, when you meet people, after the meetings are over, some people will always want to come and say, Pastor, first time I have this question. Some of the questions, you know, immediately, Bakwa's questions. It's got nothing to do with life or the Bible or anything. It is just, you know, just, you know, like one of the simple questions. One of the places where I go, I still remember. So all this thing and after the meeting, everything is over. Questions are there. And there is one guy over there who is a troublemaker. And he has been there for years in that church. And the, the pastor says, okay, pastor will take questions. You are an old timer sitting over there. What question do you want to ask? If you are, if an old timer asks a question in a church in public, you need to realize it is not a real curiosity question. It's a troublemaker's question. So this man first comes forward and takes a question. I want to ask this question. Who did Adam's sons marry? All young people sitting over their youth meeting. You think that question has any relevance? I said, did you please read Genesis? Adam had many sons and many daughters. We know the name only of three because they were pivotal in God's history. There was a Cain, there was an Abel. Cain killed Abel, so that's part of history. Then Seth came during the time of Seth. People called upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that he had many sons and daughters. It's there. What's the point of this question? So many, many people. So you need to understand that as you go through life. We have very little time left. We do not have time to feed flesh. Our own flesh even. Don't even feed your own flesh. Eat, feed your body. Eat your meals. Don't feed your flesh. Be very, very serious what the kingdom of God is. Because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me and the life which I now, I am the one who is living, meaning I am submitting my will, my thoughts and my desires. I live by faith in the Son of God. Getting the picture? I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. But I am living a life. But the life I am living is not my life. It is the life of Jesus Christ. My will is involved in it completely. Every day I rise up, you rise up, we rise up, and we make that choice. We make that choice. The more you make those choices each day, what happens? It becomes easier and easier and easier to live that life. And I believe 55 days is already given us to live that life. Where choices are very simple to make. Because you are all living in your homes. Even if you are working, you are working from home. Meaning you don't have to go through the conflict of relationships outside. 
Like even for us, preaching is very easy. Because we have three or four people here and everybody is watching. We don't know who is sleeping, who is snoring, who is nodding off, who came late, who came early. It doesn't bother our, us at all. So it's, it's easier. Because God is saying, now I am leaving you to personal accountability. You were obedient in my presence. Now I want to know whether you are obedient in my absence, Paul says. Whether you are working it out with fear, it's, it's good to be fearly and trembling in the church. Meaning all sitting there and watching. But incognito, nobody knows. And God is bringing us all into a point where he says, I'm giving you 50 days, 60 days, 70 days, 80 days, 90 days. Free accommodation, free food. Everybody. Exchange your life for my life. I'm not talking about here, I'm talking everywhere. Exchange your life for my life. Without conflicts. And then when you go out in the world, you will know how to live it out too. Right? That's how Jesus lived for 30 years inside his house. And Father said, I'm very pleased with you. In your house, quietly you lived my life. And even your mother had no clue who you were. Absolutely no clue. You lived very well. My life, quietly hidden. Now you have stepped out. I'm well pleased with you. And he says, now I want to release everybody out. If it is my life, then I'll be worried about COVID-19 and the famine that is coming, the mark of the beast, the vaccination and all this stuff. But if it is his life, can his life be destroyed? Can his life be killed? Can his life be marked by the beast? You need to realize, where does our victory come from? His life is always with him. What does Bible mean by saying Christ Jesus takes us in triumph every day? It's his life. His life has never lost. You know where all this fear comes? The fear is reflected at our self-life. God says, I'm not going to give you any answer about any of these things. I'll give you the only solution. Solution is, are you afraid? Yes. Are you worried about pandemic? Yes. Are you worried about losing a job? Yes. Are you worried about the mark of the beast? Yes. Are you worried about the antichrist? Yes. Lord, what should I do? Exchange your life. You want my solution to lead your life? He says, no. Exchange your life for my life. And you will realize all your fears are gone. This is the gospel. This is the new covenant. This is, I believe, why he shut the world for the church's sake. And I keep telling, once this is over, a new church will emerge. Nobody will know. Only God will know. And the angels will know. They will see the difference. Something has happened. Kuch, kuch to ho gaya. Dood ka dood, or pani ka pani, nikal gaya. They will know. Something has emerged during this lockout. A church, a praying, believing church. And it all begins with hearing. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the all we can do is preach. We cannot hear. I can only hear for myself. I can only preach. And pray, Lord, your children will hear. And hear personally each day as they sit before your word, listen to different messages and study whatever you have given us this time to exchange our life. Amen? Let us pray. Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you for today. We thank you, Father, that 
you have made us ministers of the new covenant and not the old covenant, O oh Lord. Because the letter, the law kills, but the Spirit gives life, Lord. And it is the life of Son that the Spirit gives. And I pray, Father, each day we will learn to exchange our life for your life. Our desires for your desires. That every day would be truly Sabbath. Rest. Rest, Lord. That we would commit everything and everybody in our lives into thy hands and be at rest. We can change nobody. We can't change our situations. We can't, we can't make anything happen. The only thing we can do is exchange our life for your life by faith. One day at a time. By the time the lockdown is over, I pray so many of your children, those who hear us, partake of us, and those others, so many we do not know in the world, a church will arise which lives by faith. And you live in and through them. That church is triumphant. That church can never be defeated. Before that church, the gates of hell will not even prevail. They will break down the gates of brass and set the captives free. That's the church you are raising up, Lord. So, Father, this evening, we commit ourselves into thy hands, O Lord. I pray, Lord, help us, empower us to do that divine exchange each day, Lord. Your will for our will. Your ways for our ways. Your work for our work. Your desire for our desires. Your honor, not our honor. Your rest for our rest. It's a complete exchange, O Lord, at the cross. That we will learn to live this life, Lord. Speak your peace into every heart. Your peace, I speak. Speak your healing, your health, your strength, your power into every life. Pray they will receive it by faith. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.